The Teardown is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NASCAR ticket prices tend to drop right before the race starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have already downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the race. It's an easy two-tap checkout, a simple, quick, easy-to-navigate app, really no headaches. So head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download GameTime and secure some awesome deals on last-minute tickets. everybody welcome back to another episode of the teardown that's the post-race podcast here on the athletic and we are going to talk about the martinsville race today my name is jeff gluck and i'm along with jordan bianchi virtually at least because jordan is at martinsville speedway and uh jordan i gotta hand it to you first of all so here i am watching it on tv and, you know, I see that, you know, I'm watching the post-race coverage. They interview Truex after his dominating win, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden they cut to chaos going on pit road. You know, there's crew members, you know, Hamlin, is he involved? Logano. So I'm texting you, oh, uh, Hamlin, Logano fight, something like that. Of course, you were already there right on top of it. You send me a video and you say, I'm right here. So Jordan, good on you for anticipating that there'd be something going on. Uh, a little eventful ending to the race, huh? It was an eventful ending to a race that wasn't the most eventful. Um, post-race was interesting, kind of what we've come to expect at Martinsville over the years, which is controversy, hard feelings, um, sometimes some shoving, and that's what would happen. And when you look at the history between Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, you have to think that this factored into it a little bit. And then you take into account that there's the playoffs and everything that goes along with it. So not a surprise that we saw what transpired on pit road post-race. So tell us about um, your experiences there, because I you sent me. I haven't even got a chance to talk to you. I mean, we literally just um, called each other up here to start this podcast. Uh, you did you got to try to talk to the crew member Mule at first? I I thought his I forgot his name was Mule. I thought his name was Bull, and then I thought his name was Moose. And you said no, it's Mule. That's right. I got my animals confused. But Mule, did you try to talk to Mule, the guy who pulled Denny Hamlin down from behind? I did try twice to talk to Mule. Um, he declined comment. Um, he had a scrape on his right cheek, and he said he got that when he was getting up off the ground, which didn't quite make sense. Um, so I'm not sure how that – he wouldn't elaborate on how that happened. But he just said that that was, came from when he was getting up off the ground. But he had a scrape on his right cheek. Uh, he was, you know, fired up still a little bit. He was talking to the Penske guys. Uh, kind of, we could kind of tell that they were kind of walking through what had happened. And when I had spoken with him, he had, I believe, he had just come from talking to NASCAR um, because NASCAR had called uh, Logano's crew chief, Joey Logano, the comp- competition director for Penske and Mule, into the hauler to uh, discuss their their transit. Uh, well, Mule's transgressions. Yeah, that that was the one I had the problem with there. Uh, yeah. And no offense to Mr. Mule, I can't, I don't know his real name off the top of my head. Um, but uh, I I think that Mule should not be around for the next race. This is, you know, it's funny because last week I tweeted that um, you know the, the crew members should not get involved after the Tyler Reddick thing after 
Uh, one of the crew members there had sort of uh, the SHR guy tossed him to the ground or, or whatever in the, with the chokehold. And Tyler Reddick had this the scraped face as a result. And I got actually a lot of uh, pushback on Twitter from that because people said that's not fair because this is a team sport and they have a right to defend their driver and so they're all in it together how can you take that away from the crew guys who are you know put their blood sweat and tears into it um my thing is i hate to tell you this but it's uh, a driver's sport the drivers are the stars i know that Mm -hmm. it is a team sport in the sense that um the the drivers are helped by their car and their crew and their pit crew and all that stuff, but um, it's really about the drivers. They're, they they must be protected, in my opinion. And you can't have a crew guy like Mule come up to Denny Hamlin, a playoff driver, and throw him down to the concrete from behind. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky that uh, Hamlin didn't crack his skull open on the concrete or something. So NASCAR needs to really... They didn't do anything last week, so now they're in a tough spot because they're going to look inconsistent. But they should still do something and say, look, we are not having this happen. We cannot let this escalate. Uh, we, we cannot have guys interfering with the drivers like this because one of them is going to get hurt. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the fact that, like you said, this is the playoffs. What happens if Hamlin gets hurt? Then what? I mean, you, you just can't have it. And the whole the, 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 the argument that this is a team sport, so you have to have these kind of you know, scrums, is ridiculous because this doesn't happen in hockey. There's an automatic ejection for any third person who comes into a fight between two individuals, they're, they're tossed from the game, and they get suspended. In basketball, if you step off the bench, you even put a foot on the court during a scuffle, you're automatically suspended a game. So, again, those are team sports. You can't have this. And if you look at the two incidents the last two weeks, crew guys made this infinitely worse than it was. Today, for example, you know, Hamlin was pretty irate, and he, after the, you know, he was going after Logano, but he was restrained. It was Nothing was going to happen. It was over. I mean... There was going to be some shouting. That was it. They're going to move on. That's it. But then when Mule came in and grabbed Hamlin, that just that escalated it to another level. You can't have it. There, there's no point in this. You know, if, if the argument is is this is a team sport and this is what fans want to see, this is that's not racing. This is not what this is about. And like you said, the drivers are the stars, and on some level, you have to protect them. And I will also say this. If the drivers are the stars, then they need to be the central focus of these scrums and, and not the crew guys, which is too often the case. Speaking of uh, the drivers and the stars, uh, I don't know if you were able to hear it or see, see it being on pit road right in the middle of everything happening, but have you gotten a chance to see Hamlin's Logano impression from uh, TV? <laughs> I, I did see it. That's, that's pretty good. He's been working on that one, you can tell. Yeah, uh, clearly that's not the first time he's just tried that. He's clearly popped that out somewhere before, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's been working on that at parties. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard... Joe, uh, Corey LaJoy's podcast, Corey LaJoy being a very good friend of Joey Logano, but Corey LaJoy has a very good Joey Logano uh, impression where he pulls out the the freaking, freaking this, freaking that, you know, whatever. And and Denny <laughs> Hamlin's wasn't wasn't on the same level as the Corey LaJoy one being Corey, Corey's been around Joey for so long. But Denny's, I thought, was above average, above average impression. Not bad, considering the circumstances. Heat of the moment, he, you know. I give him an. A, I give him an A. Yeah, that's right. I mean, hey, the camera's on you. You got to come up with a good line, right? So that that was good. <laughs> and and he got he had the facial imitation to go with it, which turned into a great GIF. I know people are not going to like that. I said GIF, but that is how you say it, people. That's what the creator of the GIF says. It's not a GIF. It's a GIF. But anyway. <laughs> 
that that is a good one. Steve Steve Luvender uh, immediately posted that, so that that's good. At least we have something to remember this Martinsville race by. Because other than that, other than Hamlin Lagana, which I've stalled getting to the racing talk, uh, that that was. I'm I'm actually angry, Jordan. I was I was getting angry watching that race. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no, I understand. It's this is this is Martinsville. This is there's a certain expectation that comes with this race because if you look at you know since 2014 when NASCAR went to this knockout playoff format, this race has annually been chaotic. It's been wild. Martinsville is supposed to be drivers bumping and banging and shoving each other aside on the racetrack and doing whatever it takes to win. This is as close to professional wrestling in stock cars as you're, you're going to see, and that didn't deliver today. That just frankly did not deliver. Martin Truex Jr. put a whooping on the field. It's very reminiscent. It's entirely reminiscent of what we saw in the spring when Brad Keselowski did it. And, yeah, you have every right to be, you know, angry. Well, and, and I, I'm kind of writing something similar like this for my top five, so I guess don't worry about reading my top five if you're listening to this, or at least that part. But, I mean – this is this is seriously like uh, this is so predictable and frustrating that this happened because you 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 saw the spring race and you know you saw the other short tracks this year and you're like wow this aero package has a really bad effect on the short tracks that's not good then they do a tire test at Martinsville mm-hmm. and as Bob Pockers pointed out they came back with the exact same tire that they use in the spring race that had terrible results with Keselowski leading 440 laps or whatever. So what do you have happen? Truex goes out there and leads 400, whatever, 60, I don't lost track laps. Yeah. Hamlin led, uh, you know, 30 something. And, and Kyle Larson stayed out for six laps and on old tires and was able to lead for a little bit. And that's it. Six laps, whatever that was, that, that was it. And it was just, it's you, you could not, uh, pass for the lead with this package um, and I think it's so frustrating to know that everybody could pretty much see this coming and said this was going to happen. There was no changes made and there's no changes being made for next year when this is going to be the cutoff race for round three and the first yeah. Martinsville night race. Two huge yeah. races. And, and I'm, I'm mad because this is my favorite track. I love Martinsville. I love, I like it even more than Bristol. Like Martinsville is it for me. I, I love that place. So to, to have a race where it's always delivered for the fall race, spring race can be, you know, hit or miss sometimes for Martinsville standards. But the fall Martinsville race, like you said, since they've gone to this elimination format is freaking awesome. Like it's one of the best things that NASCAR has to offer. And to take that and sort of mess it up at the expense of freaking Kentucky and Chicagoland. Oh my gosh. It makes me so mad. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, Oh, it's frustrating, and it's and it's very frustrating. And you know, I'm, NASCAR deserves some blame in this too. And I will say, in NASCAR, not trying to be an apologist, you know, apologist here. In NASCAR's defense, they wanted to have different aero packages this year for different tracks. So you know, when you go to a mile and a half race track, you're going to have this package. You go to a short track, you're going to have this package. The team said no. The team just said that's that is a cost we do not want to incur. We do we're trying to trim you know our budgets, not add to them. And so, you know, NASCAR's in a box. What what do you do? I mean, and you have to, you know, the only thing you can do is you go to your your tire supplier, Goodyear, and you say, figure this out. You're going to have to figure out a tire compound for this track. Spring didn't work. We can't bring the same tire compound back for the fall. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and you're in this box. The only thing I can say is 
you hope that some eyes are opened and that going into next year's, you know, which will be, I don't think it's spring technically, well, it's May, so it's spring race, you know, that there's a, there's a different tire compound that leads to better racing. Otherwise, you're, you're, you, like you said, that this race has been altered. It's no longer what Martinsville was, which was classic NASCAR short track racing. And it's, it's something completely different where it's about track position and dirty air, which is two things you do not want to see on a short track. Well, I mean, when you're when you're talking about arrow at Martinsville, here's your sign that you've gone down the wrong path. You know what I mean? And I and I understand that that the teams wanted different uh, wanted the same package and NASCAR wanted different packages, and the team said, "Oh, I don't want to pay for this and develop two different things." Blah blah. Just stick with one. But here's where you know Jim France or whoever needs to say, "Look." I know the charters say this and we're boxed in because the teams have this power or whatever, but you know, we're, we're going to do this or we're going to change this. Or I, I don't, I don't know what the situation is with the leadership, what, what you would have to do. I don't know all the ins and outs of the wording or the contractual stuff, but this is where you have to overcome that for the good of the sport and say, at least for the three short tracks, all right, we're going to chop the spoiler We'll keep the other stuff, but just chop the spoiler. It's something. I, I don't I don't know what you do. I'm not an arrow guy, but clearly no, I, I can I, see that. Either. Yeah, but well, whatever. We don't have to be an arrow guy to see that this was not a typical Martinsville race or the spring race. Same thing. I mean, it's it's just frustrating. So anyway, it, it's ex- it, yeah, it's extremely ahead. frustrating. And you, you just hope that NASCAR in everybody, not just NASCAR. You hope everybody's eyes are opened after what has transpired this year in these two races, and they say, we cannot have a repeat of this. Because next year, when they have the first night race at Martinsville, there are going to be a lot of eyes on that race. There's going to be a lot of excitement for that race. And when you have this, the fall race as the cutoff race to the championship finale, you're going to have a lot of attention on that. So you, you want to have the best product showcased. So you, you, the hope is that people get their minds together and, and wrap their head, you know, has hands around a solution to figure this out. Let's talk about some things that happened during the race. Um, I guess we can start with uh, sort of t- chronologically in some ways. I mean, um, for all the talk about, uh, you know, the difficulty passing, we'll say Chase Elliott was working his way up there. Well, until he got mm-hmm. sort of towards the top 10, at least. Then he sort of started out, stalled out like everybody else. Um, but Chase Elliott, until he had his broken part, really looked like he was going to be a contender, perhaps. If if he had ever gotten enough track position, which would have been hard, you know, it's not easy to go from eighth or whatever he ended at one stage um, and, and get up toward, you know, the top three, top or, or the top spot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's he, he would he might have had something for Truex, but it's now he's in a huge points hole. I mean, 40 something points out. Clearly, it looks like he's going to have to win one of the next two races. Um, has his magic sort of finally run out here? Uh, it, the What's run out is the reliability with the Hendrick cars, because this has been a repeated issue with the Hendrick Motorsports cars in the playoffs you know, in the last few weeks. You know, this is Elliot had an engine failure on Friday. He had a mechanical issue at Dover, and he had a mechanical issue today. So there's obviously something somewhere that that's that's hampering that team in the construction of of their their equipment. Yeah, I mean, I asked him. I asked him point blank in a post race, "Are you in a must win?" Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, that was it. Was that was it? That was it. Yeah, um, it's pretty obvious where the, the situation they're in. They've got speed. I mean, they had speed today. They had a really good car, and they also had a really good pit stall because he qualified second. He was going to have the advantage over some guys. You know, he's even moved his way up there. I don't know if he would have been able to pass Truex. I don't know if anybody could have passed Truex. To be honest with you. But he certainly was in line for a, a top five finish or something, which is what he needed to, you know, just to move on to, to Texas to give him a, a chance to point his way on in, into the final. So it's a tough situation. The only thing you can say is that he, they have speed in their race cars. They've had consistent speed in their race cars throughout the playoffs. And he has a good chance to win at Texas and a good chance to win at Phoenix. That's, of course, there's no more mechanical failures. Another thing that happened during the race was Kyle Busch tangling with a couple non-playoff drivers. First of all, yeah. um, he gets into he has some contact with with Hamlin as Hamlin was on his way by. Shortly right thereafter, um, Eric Almirola comes and, and sort of moves Kyle up the track. Kyle, from everything I can interpret, retaliates then off the corner, and as he retaliates, uh, he ends up hooking them together. He's lucky he didn't end his day completely right there. Everybody avoided him, but Almirola's day did get ended, and Kyle created an enemy in the process. Um, now Kyle, and then later in the in the race, he had New, Ryan Newman um, going at it with him. So Kyle uh, is not having a great playoffs in terms of focusing on himself. Uh, he's not really running well. Um, it's it's very you know I keep saying oh he's still my championship pick he's still blah 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 but he sure doesn't seem to have it right now I mean with three races to go they've really got to get themselves together he's got to get his head to where he's not you know getting sucked into these battles with you know for one's position with Eric Almirola is not even in the playoffs no big picture I mean he didn't need that point he probably won't need that point if you look at where he has is at in the standings he's in a really good spot if you can just keep finishing top five top ten and then as long as no one else you know pulls off a, a surprise win he's going to be in good shape and he's still in good shape in the standings but like you said you don't need to be picking these battles you you, you clearly need to be focused on getting the, the best result you can each week if your car is incapable of winning and that's an issue I think they have right now, too, is you look at Martin Truex Jr. I mean, he's got three wins in the playoffs. Denny Hamlin's got one or two. And where's, where's Kyle Busch been? This is 19 races now that Kyle Busch has gone without a win. That's that's an eternity for him. There is a clear line at Joe Gibbs Racing on, on who is running well and, and who is not. Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin are running very well. Kyle Busch is running, by his standards at least, so-so. And that's an issue because... If you, if you continue to pick battles with people and you put yourself in a bad spot, that's, that, that could easily bite you in the butt. And if you don't have the, the car to go out there and win races, you're going to need to point your way to Homestead. And if you try to do it any other way, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be successful. Do you, do you happen to recall, I don't know off the top of my head, where about where he was racing, what position for with, with Almirola, like what, eighth or something maybe? Yeah, seventh, eighth in there. He had been actually I think it was even higher because Kyle was coming on stronger at that point. He had been flirting with the top five. It was like fifth, sixth, somewhere in there. Okay, so he ends up finishing fourteenth. So yeah. you just threw away, you know, eight at least eight points probably. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um those are valuable. Yeah, for sure. And and as tight as things are, um, you know, I I think I don't I again off the top of my head I don't know if he's up by 18 still or something over the cutoff, yep. but you don't know where the cutoff is going to be or move to or who else is going to win. 
Um, obviously, he'll still have, he'll still have strong cars at, at Texas and Phoenix, but again, it's just like I don't know. This, this seems to be a, a sort of a regression in the way he races, almost back to his early years where he could get caught up in other people's stuff too much. So I don't know. Um, let's let's talk about William Byron. Uh, boy, I I continually am just more and more impressed by that guy. Uh, really mm-hmm. ran a great race today. Um, I, I thought just, I mean, this guy, I tell you what, he, he going into next year, if, if Hendrick gets his stuff better and I mean, he's, he could really be, this could just be the beginning of, of a really long, uh, successful career for, for him. things to have started to click now, I feel like, and he's just rolling. Yeah. I mean, they're no longer just out there to race for points, which was, was Chad Canales' philosophy for much of this year to get him in the playoffs, which was we're going to get stage points however we can. If we have to sacrifice track position, so be it. We just need every point we can get because our cars aren't fast enough right now, and William is still developing as a driver. That has changed. You know, They're out there racing competitively. They're running well, and this isn't just a one-week thing. This is something they're doing on a week-in, week-out basis. And frankly, they should be in the in the you know the semifinals. They they were running for the they were racing for the lead at Talladega when they got caught up in a wreck, not of his own doing. They've had speed. They've had the performance. They they are a team that is growing. And you listen to the radio. Chad Knauss is doing a masterful job of, of coaching Byron and, and really helping him develop in those closing laps. He was continually telling Byron things to do, giving him different instructions. And it was a tutorial, and you can see that this is a young driver, and William Byron is a driver who absorbs a lot, and it wants to learn. He's kind of a student of the sport, and he is taking it in, and you can just see that things are getting better and better with his team. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and win a race before the season's out. I know there's only three races left, but that's where they're running at right now, and I think this sets up for a very big year. Like you said, if Hendrick can kind of sort its issues out and find some more consistency with its cars... Um, they have two young drivers, and, and Chase Elliott and William Byron, who are cornerstones of this th- this organization going forward. Well, and I think that this, even even without having won yet with Byron, sort of cements Chad Knauss's reputation as as the greatest crew chief of, of all time. Because you know, you you could see where you can understand too how how it would have run its course with Johnson, the way that he you know he, he's very much he's in control right and so he's like you said telling byron exactly what to do and in fact you know five years from now as byron is a successful cup driver it may not be so effective anymore because you sure. know you you know johnson after one, having won seven championships and if canals is saying hey try passing this or try doing this you know jimmy's gonna be like dude shut up like I know what I'm doing, kind of thing. But Byron is obviously very coachable and willing to to listen and and take that instruction, even when um, Chad Canal says, "Hey, go wreck that guy at Watkins Glen." You know, go retaliate. Like he'll, he'll, you know, he's 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 listening. So this is perfect for Canals because Canals wants to almost be driving the car in, in some aspects, and it's it's working. So I think this is a this is a really good thing, and it that that uh, partnership. As long as Canal stays around and doesn't go to TV, will be uh, will be successful for as long as they want it to be, and I think just even more so as Byron gets seat time. So, uh, who else do you want to talk about from this race? Um, Martin Truex Jr. I mean, th- this is a unique situation for Truex, and the fact that he he's getting to Homestead by winning. In the, in the when he's gone in the past, he's done it by pointing his way there, 
And this is going to be interesting to see how they approach the next two weeks. But they can be as aggressive as they want, but they look like they have speed every single week now. They're going to a mile-and-a-half racetrack. I know we've talked about this before, but I don't see anyone outside of Hamlin who is capable of beating the 19 team right now. I think it's a two-horse race for this championship because if you look at the standings, Denny's in a a very good spot as well, points-wise. He's going to need it. He's going to have to have some kind of big issue the next two weeks not to get there. I just look at this as this is Denny Hamlin and this is Martin Truex Jr. This is their championship, and I think everyone else is racing for third place. Well, of course, uh, you know, we saved Truex for last year on a race that he dominates completely and is clearly the story of the day outside the fight. Um, I, I do think, though, that this is sort of like one of the, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a quietly dominant season. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it's they they've they've gone over to JGR, and you know we we, we thought they might be struggling or a little bit uh, at the start of the year, like oh, uh, you know they haven't won as as much as they want and, and everything. And as the summer's gone on, he's they've just been so quietly consistent and excellent, um, winning races and bettering many many of their stats from last year. If you if you look at it, they're going to compare favorably. Um, so it's that, you know, they lead the series in a lot of categories. I mean, they're, this is a championship team. Um, but it's just, I don't know if it's that we got so focused on JGR as a whole that we were kind of like, ah, Truex or that he's, you know, he and Pern don't, you know, jump up and down and say a lot of stuff or, you know, they just kind of go about their business, but damn, they're good. They are so good. Um, yeah, and they're good everywhere. And, you know, the knock on them was, well, they can't win on a short track. Well, they won on three short tracks this year. And I think that knock has always been a little misconstrued, just the fact that they've been really good. I mean, they, they should have won at Richmond three, four, five, six times over the last few years. Um, they, they should have probably won at Martinsville last year. They're good everywhere. And I think, you know, part of it, you know, you talk about how they got lost a little bit was the fact that Kyle Busch was dominant in that first part of this season. I mean, he was the driver to beat. And he was getting a lot of the headlines. And Hamlin had one Daytona to start the season, and he, he and won at Texas. But he kind of, you know, he was he was doing well, but he wasn't doing anything sensational. And Kyle Busch was doing Kyle Busch things, and Truex is just kind of going about his business. Well, that's kind of flipped the script a little bit. And Kyle's not winning races right now. He's not being dominant, and Truex is. And I, I just I think this is a driver and a team that are just. Him and Cole Pern are, are so good for each other. They get each other. They complement each other well. They're two people who like to stay below the radar and just go about their business. And when you're on a team with teammates who are personalities, that, that's that's good that you, you just kind of want to quietly go about your business. Well, before we get to the was it a good race poll predictions, Jordan, I know uh, you'll have some stuff coming up on The Athletic this week, as will I, as will um, David and uh, you know we have a offer going on right now that uh, if you're not a subscriber we hope you are but if you're not a subscriber um, you know if you go to theathletic.com slash green flag that's 40% off for an annual subscription so it's only like two ninety nine a month or something if you do that way which I just bought a cup of coffee here before this uh, before this podcast started because um, packing to move to Denver tomorrow start driving and I need a lot of caffeine, and that cost me like five bucks. That was just for one coffee, two ninety nine a month for the athletic, all the sports, including uh, the racing coverage. So 
theathletic.com slash green flag. Now, one thing you won't get on The Athletic is our Was It a Good Race poll predictions because we're going to give those to you right here, right now. So uh, did I did I win last week? I, did, I finally you, won last week, right? Yes, I you, won. You did win last week. Congratulations. Yes. You said 60% for the Kansas poll. I said 70%, and it was low 70. So um, now this one, ooh, this is really tough. This is maybe one mm-hmm. of the tougher ones of the entire season because uh, stinky race, but Martinsville, and fight after the race. Maybe people will be swayed by the excitement of that. Plus a couple late cautions to mix things up. So, hmm. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, you won last week. You get the honors. Oh, boy. This is tough. I do think that, you know, judging off uh, the Twitter reaction that people were not happy with uh, the dominance. They don't like it when Truex wins dominant races. I will say that. Some of the lowest rated races, such as the Coke 600 that one year, have been Truex dominated victories. So I do see this race um, potentially getting in the 50s. I'd, I'm not sure that I see it breaking 60%, even though it was Martinsville, even though it was a playoff race. So that said, I think I might go with 58%. What say yeah, that- you? That makes sense. What did what was the spring race? Where did that rate? Uh, that's a good question, and I am sorry to say I do not know that off the top of my head. I, I, I guess that would probably have been an ac- well. accurate barometer because this was somewhat very similar race, right? Yeah, I I think very similar race, but the ending with uh, everything that happened on on pit road with Logano and Hamlin bumps it up a little bit. I don't know. I'll say 66%. Oh, 66. Okay, that's that's definitely higher that than I too, thought. That's too high. What did you say again? I said 58. Eight? Uh, you know, I'm going to change this. I'm going 63. 63. Oh, okay, okay. You you have to take my word for this. I promise. I, I just looked up Martinsville <laughs> Spring Race. I promise, promise, promise. I did not look this up till after I already made my prediction. Martinsville Spring Race was fifty eight percent. I'm not even okay. messing. So that's ex- I predicted the, the exact same the exact same thing that uh, that happened will will be the result this time. So uh, yeah, I don't know. So you said sixty three. Remind me again. Sixty three. That's my final answer. Sixty three. Final answer. I have fifty eight. We will see who prevails. Uh, Jordan, when we talk next week. Um, Hopefully, I will be in my new apartment in Denver. Have a long, uh, long snowy drive to get there. So hopefully, I've arrived safely, and this is not my last podcast ever. But uh, in case it is, or either way, <laughs> thank you for being a <laughs> thank you for being a good co-host, and thank you You're everybody morbid. for. <laughs> no, what a downer note. I'm actually quite nervous about this drive in my U-Haul truck. So. Take your time. Uh, There's no rush. I mean, you know. Well, there is kind of a rush because the movers are waiting for me on the other end at a scheduled time. So I, I do feel a little urgency. Well, then drive fast, take um, chances. Yeah, well, the roads are currently all shut down the route I was going to take. So that's going to be very sketchy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope there will be many more of these podcasts to come. Talk to you next week on The Teardown.